chapter two of wild bird guests by ernest baines this librivox recording is in the public domain the destruction of birds by the elements and by disease birds seldom tell us of their troubles to be sure when their homes are in danger or when their little ones are killed or carried off some parent birds let us know by their frantic cries how real and bitter is their grief and of course hungry nestlings often clamour for food but usually full-grown birds like thoroughbred people take their troubles their dangers and even death itself with quiet courage and without any fuss if they didn't i'm afraid their sympathetic human neighbours would get little rest for they are beset by so many dangers and face death in so many forms that i sometimes wonder how any of them manage to escape of these dangers the elements are among the worst and least controllable storms often kill thousands of birds in a few hours the small birds which during migration cross large bodies of open water are perhaps the ones most likely to perish in great numbers from this cause flocks of warblers winging their way across the gulf of mexico or one of the great lakes are sometimes overtaken by heavy storms which result in their wholesale destruction plucky as they are their tiny muscles are no match for the mighty winds which sweep the water and they are beaten backward and downward with no spot on which to rest even for a moment even in such dark hours their courage asserts itself they do not give up but battle still with their giant foe which hurls them far from their course then perhaps comes a cold and driving rain which soaks their plumage and increases the burden already too great for their weary muscles down they go toward the roaring water beneath them until they are met by the leaping waves which lick them into the deep where the last spark of their dauntless courage is quenched in death next morning their tiny bright-coloured bodies may be found strewn for miles along the coast among the shells and pebbles of the beach the cold storms of late spring which come after many of the migrants have arrived sometimes kill nearly all the birds of certain species over a wide area of country insect-eating birds suffer most as a rule from these storms because the insects are driven to cover and are hard to get in sufficient numbers to maintain life every now and then there comes a spring so cold and stormy that bluebirds perish in great numbers and a great scarcity of these birds is observed the following year more rarely the destruction is so widespread that several years pass before bluebirds are seen again in their usual numbers in the auk for october nineteen hundred and seven dr thomas s roberts of the minnesota natural history survey tells of a snowstorm which occurred in minnesota and iowa in march nineteen hundred and four when not far from a million and a half lapland long spurs perished in a single night but the birds which suffer most frequently and as a rule most severely from these untimely storms 
are those which capture their insect prey almost entirely on the wing such birds as swifts and swallows the snow or cold rain having swept the air practically clear of insect life such birds quickly starve to death purple martins perhaps because they are larger than the other swallows and hence require more food often suffer very severely for example so many purple martins were destroyed by storms in the springs of nineteen hundred and three and nineteen hundred and four that there were hardly any of these beautiful birds to be found in massachusetts and they were scarce all over new england even birds as hardy and omnivorous as the robin have a hard time in the late snowstorms here in new hampshire robins are often driven to eat the decayed apples which have hung frozen to the trees all winter and in some cases they eat so much of this fermenting fruit that they become intoxicated bad storms occurring in the nesting season cause great havoc among young birds the wind breaks down branches and sometimes whole trees containing the nests and often the nests themselves are blown to the ground continuous heavy rain chills and kills the nestlings in spite of the best efforts of the parents to shield their little ones one pouring wet june day i found a phoebe's nest on the side of a cliff in massachusetts the cold water from the rock above was dripping into it and the five young birds were already dead only last spring a pair of chipping sparrows had a nest in a little bush close to my front door and all the young ones were killed by a cold wet storm the brave little mother did her very best to shelter them and long after they were dead she continued to sit on the nest to cover them with her wet and bedraggled wings floods occurring during the nesting season are sometimes very destructive to birds which nest on the ground some years ago at stamford connecticut i had under observation several nests of song sparrows and other birds in a low-lying meadow i went down there one morning after several days of heavy rain and found the meadow nests and all under water some of the nests had contained newly hatched young and the parents were still flitting about among the bushes nearby calling incessantly more dramatic if much less serious is the destruction wrought by the great waterfalls which every year take their toll of aquatic birds every spring many birds chiefly ducks geese and swans go over the horseshoe falls at niagara some of these are killed outright but many of them are only stunned and might easily be saved in nineteen twelve one hundred and forty whistling swans went over the falls in this way and were fished out by boys and men knocked on the head and sold for food to people in niagara falls most of the birds were secured by a young man employed at the maid of the mist landing who living in a little house close to the water was always on the watch with mr james savage of buffalo i went to see this young man the following spring and he told us that the birds almost always came over at night far above the falls the water is smooth and here the birds alight apparently they are carried down into the swift water when asleep and then it is evidently impossible for them to save themselves the young man told us that once he captured a swan that was only stunned and that he tied a fishing line to its leg and kept it in a little pond made by an eddy of the river the bird became very tame and would take food from his hand but one day took alarm at a company of soldiers flew into the air 
and snapping the fishing line as though it had been a thread flew away down the river mr savage with some friends once saved a flock of swans by chasing them in a power-boat and making them fly away just before nightfall it was a daring thing for these men to do for if by any chance the engine had become disabled nothing could have prevented their going over the falls severe winters destroy great numbers of birds which perish chiefly for lack of food it seems that most birds can stand cold weather if only they can get food enough a bird's body may be likened to a little furnace in which food takes the place of coal or wood as long as there is plenty of fuel in the furnace it remains warm no matter how cold the weather may be but when there is no fuel to be had the fire dies out and the bird with it i once kept a turkey vulture in my garden in massachusetts and though he is naturally a bird of a warmer clime he remained in perfect health through the very severe winter of nineteen hundred and three through nineteen hundred and four simply because i kept him well supplied with food that same winter the hardy native birds died in great numbers because they could not get food could not get the fuel to keep the little furnaces going according to the state ornithologist edward howe forbush between ninety and ninety-five out of every one hundred quail in massachusetts died of starvation that winter similar tragedies occur every severe winter and if we do a little thinking we find that there is no mystery about it when the trees and bushes are sheathed in ice it must be very difficult and at times impossible for the insect-eating birds such as woodpeckers nuthatches chickadees and creepers to get at the insects and larvae which lurk in and below the bark and in the axles of the twigs and when the ground is covered under a foot or more of snow how can such birds as sparrows and finches and quail and other seed-eaters dig down under it to get at their food of course some birds find weed stalks sticking out above the snow and others perhaps switch off on to a diet of berries but there are many others who fail to find enough to support life and these of course starve to death we cannot control the elements but we can at times by offerings of food and shelter help the birds in their battle against the cold and the storms and this matter will be taken up in detail in a later chapter the destruction of birds by disease that wild birds sometimes become ill is a fact not very generally thought of perhaps and comparatively few of us have ever seen a sick bird in its native haunts yet birds are sometimes attacked by epidemics which work as much destruction among them as cholera or the bubonic plague works among human beings such an epidemic has recently been playing havoc with the waterfowl and marsh birds of utah in a letter to the writer mr fred w chambers state commissioner of fish and game says since nineteen ten we have had an epidemic among the marsh birds of utah especially the ducks though the snipe family has suffered considerably we collected and buried in quicklime over a million birds in the year nineteen ten and each year thereafter until the present time not including nineteen fourteen we have buried in the neighborhood of five hundred thousand birds making a total of two and a half millions of birds that have been destroyed by this epidemic we have worked constantly to find out the real cause of the epidemic but as yet have not been able to say just what it is a considerable number of wild birds as well as domesticated ones are troubled with a parasite known by the formidable name of coccidiosis and which in some species causes a dangerous disease of the intestines 
professor philip b hadley of the biological laboratory at kingston rhode island who has been studying this parasite has found it in european sparrows field sparrows white-throated sparrows juncos robins and hermit thrushes he also found that seemingly the parasite can be transmitted from european sparrows to domestic poultry professor hadley considers that the spreading of this disease from one part of the country to another by means of these birds and especially by the european sparrow is not only a menace to domestic poultry but may result in the infection and destruction of wild game birds this would seem to be another reason why we should unite in an effort to reduce the number of european sparrows grouse quail and others are known to suffer severely from disease at times and this fact presents perhaps the most serious difficulty met by those who attempt to rear these birds in captivity End of chapter two